Talk Back Matters. In the early 70s, an Englishman and an Australian auditioned for the production of Jesus Christ Superstar in Sydney, and they got in, and they went on to become Air Supply. But their success almost ended after their first hit. Englishman Graham Russell and Australian Russell Hitchcock join us now to reflect on those days. What a journey, man. It's been amazing. When we first began in, uh, in Sydney in 75, we certainly never realised that we'd uh, achieve what we did and, and have the... Uh, you know, the career that we've had has been amazing. When you were doing yeah. that musical, did you know each other at all at that stage? Or were you friends at that stage? Or had you just met completely from different parts? No, no, no. We, we met the first day of rehearsals in, in Sydney. We uh, were seated next to each other in the, in the men's chorus room. Uh, the way the show was staged, we were, we were staged together at the beginning of the show. So we actually you know, spent a lot of time together. But we, we became pretty much instant friends. We, we had a lot in common. We both were from the same backgrounds, basically. Working class, you know, kids. I mean, everyone like Graham was, was born in England. Um, we like the same kind of music, the same movies, the same food, you know, the same sense of humour. It was just, uh, just an amazing, uh, you know, relationship from day one. Well, I was going to say, you must have a special friendship to be able to endure, uh, endure, um, you know, for so long in a duet, you know, in a group, in a band situation. You know what I mean? When other bands fall by the wayside. Uh, we, well, they do, and we've seen them fall away. We even spoke to several, you know, big bands of very celebrated musicians over here in, in the U.S. and they kind of say how their bands fell apart, you know. But I don't know. With, with Russell and myself, it's we've always has always had a, a great respect for each other and for what we do within within the band. And I think because it's just the two of us, it's not like this five or six people that you have to appease all the time. You know, Russell and my roles within Air Supply are completely different, you know. And But together they make something that's very solid and very strong. And, you know, without realizing it, we created a definitive sound. But when we come on the radio, you know who it is. You're, oh, wow, that's Air Supply. You know, I know that song. So, you know, we're very lucky. But, you know, it wasn't by design. We didn't work at it. We didn't try to create a sound that nobody else had. We just... We just wanted to sing and play, and uh, it just it came on its own. The sound came on its own, and hence our friendship just developed. We became great friends in tandem with our success. We were in the valleys together as well. We had great success, and then we didn't for a while, but it was that not having success, I think, that really bonded us together and, and made us say, well... We've had success before, we can do it again. We've always had that attitude, you know. Tell me the story about your humble beginnings and there was a comment made about how you were scrounging for money <laughs> uh, looking down the back of hotel sofas. Well, we, we had uh, great success, uh, as Graham said, out of the box with um, one of the bruises in that first two albums did very well um, in Australia. And we'd come to the US to support uh, Rod Stewart and open for him. And uh, we were gone from Australia for about six months from July through the end of December and you know when we came back we, we thought that we'd be hailed as the conquering hero because you know nobody had done it quite like that from Australia but we got back and uh, we couldn't afford to uh, go on the road or play concerts because there were too many people in the band that we had to support so we couldn't afford to pay them so we couldn't work so um, you know I tried to do some jingles here and there and um, you know Graham was writing what would become uh, our first international 
you know, bestseller, but we literally did take the cushions off the sofa and see if we could find some change to go to McDonald's and get an egg McMuffin or something. It was pretty grim, that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think those things make you stronger. And uh... one, one thing I, I did just remember, which I don't think we've ever touched on before, is during those times, to, to stop and not keep going was never, ever an option for us. We never even discussed it or it never came up in conversation. It was always, okay, we need to do this, we need to do that. We need to scrounge and, and to eat. You know, we just do whatever we can to survive and to keep the band alive. We, we were advised not to come to America when we did in the first place. Wow. Because the record company people that we were working with in Australia said we can make you guys the biggest band in Australia. And, uh, you know, Graham and I both thought the same thing and said the same thing. We don't want to be the biggest band in Australia. We want to be the biggest band in the world. Your first one, Love and Other Bruises, what, what brought that about? It was just a song we recorded. I think we did it in an afternoon. And I, we were still in Superstar when we recorded that. And the gentleman from CBS, who was our producer on that record, Peter Dawkins, uh, I, th- I think he, he just felt something, because everybody else turned us down, all the other record companies. And he had the vision, and he said, he said, there's something about about this this track, you know. He said, we're going to make a record. And we, we were elated because we had nowhere, nowhere else to go. But when we heard it, we, I remember Russell and I, we just looked at each other and we went just smiling and said, oh yeah, this is this is cool. And whether or not it was going to become a hit wasn't really in the equation, but we were just thrilled that it sounded so good, you know. It just sounded good. Lost in Love, what uh, what memories have you got of that? Um, well, it was, it was really the first song that we recorded on our uh, come back train in Australia, if you like. We recorded it in 78, and I remember we were in a little studio in, uh, at Trafalgar Studios, and Charles Fisher produced it. And, you know, we didn't have any money. And I remember it was late at night, and we went in, and it, it was it was just cut with acoustic guitar and drums, no bass or keyboards or anything, and we had no click. Took a couple, two or three takes. And I remember hearing it the first time ever when we came to the U.S., and I turned the radio on, we were driving somewhere in the car, and it came on, and I went, oh, wow, it just sounded great on FM radio. So it's, that was the, really the first one. That was the beginning of the the turning of the tide for us, you know. Mm. Yeah, it changed our lives, that song, certainly. How have you guys managed to stay, like, humble in your industry after the success that you've achieved? Well, you know, I, I think uh, it's a combination of things. I mean, we were our backgrounds. Uh, our parents wouldn't let us get away with anything. You know, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. Uh, being entertainment, we, we idolise the Beatles. To try and achieve anything near what they did, which is impossible, uh, you know, it keeps your head in the right place. I mean, we're no better than anybody else. And I think the fact that also we were from, you know, we came out of Australia, which has the attitude that, you know, you can't, people don't think they're better than anybody else. You know, it's a very equal society, I think, in, in, in a lot of ways. Do you guys um, have a faith of any kind that you um, talk about or just keep to yourself at all? You know, I mean, I believe certainly that there's, there's, a, there's a higher being or uh, a source out there that, uh, that, you know, dictates. But I don't know what that is. I haven't found that yet. I think more, more than anything, we have a belief and a faith in ourselves to, to, to achieve what we want to achieve. And, and I think... Everything must begin with that. It, it must begin with the individual first. You know, I don't think that uh, I don't think it would be right for people to put it outside of themselves without first 
realising that they're capable of, of certain things, you know. And I think everyone is capable of everything if they believe in it. In my life where everything was wrong, something finally went right. Our guests, Graham Russell and Russell Hitchcock, Air Supply. Like we always say, everyone has a story. And I wonder what life would have been like for them if they never met in that musical Jesus Christ Superstar. Light and Life, the Salvo's weekly radio show.